0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We're continuing this series on Easter, and really it's a series on Passover. And that is the, the season that we are in, and and uh, as we've we, we've been... Leaning in a little bit to the story of Jesus and the story of leading up to the cross. And Passover was a feast. It was a meal that God instructed the children of Israel to remember every year to stop and remember how he delivered them out of Egypt. And in this promise or in this meal or in this, this uh, feast, there are four promises when it comes time for the meal. And these four promises are out of Exodus chapter 6. And every time that the Passover meal is had, they would read these four promises. And then they would drink a cup of wine for each promise to remember. And those promises, beginning in verse 6 out of Exodus chapter 6, the first one is, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now we covered that last week. And this was about how, how God delivered them out from the burden of Pharaoh. Pharaoh no longer owned them, they now belonged to God. And we talked about how Jesus fulfilled this promise. And he fulfilled this promise in our lives through, through being the lamb, through being the one who took our sins and by our faith in him we have been separated and he has brought us out. The second promise is I will free you from being slaves to them. And they would drink a cup of wine. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. They would drink another one, and I will take you as my own people. And so, each one of these promises, there was a cup referred to it. This is the cup of sanctification. Today, we're going to be talking about the cup of deliverance. Now, it's why are we talking about this? Why? What, what does this have to do with us? Well, it's really important you understand the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was was with his disciples. They were having Passover together. And after they had the meal, Jesus said, I want you to do this. Do what? The Passover meal. When you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now up to this point, for 1,400 years, the Jewish people had done the Passover remembering, remembering how God took them out, remembering how God provided, remembering all these different things. But this night was different. The night before Jesus would be tried, and the next day crucified. He said, I want you to do this now to remember me. And so when Jesus takes something like that, that's been around for all these years and said, actually, this is about me, I wanna know what he's talking about. I wanna know what does that mean for you? And simply put, it's this, that there are these four promises that have existed from the beginning of time, that God wants them to be active in every one of your lives. Every one of these cups, every one of these promises, God wants to be active in your life. The first one is simply salvation, that he wants every person to be saved. It's the will of God that no one would perish, is what the scripture says. But the truth is this, many of us stop at that first promise. And that first promise, We see how Jesus fulfilled it out of Colossians chapter 1. It says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness. So that is we came out of Egypt. We came out of what enslaved us and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How many are grateful that Jesus has done this in our lives, right? So this is what God wants for every one of us. This is a promise he wants for everyone. But then we get to this second promise. Now the point I want to make real quick is most of us stop at the first promise. Most of us don't understand that God has so much more for you than just salvation. Now, uh, to say just, I'm not meaning it's, it's littler. I'm just saying there is more than salvation for you, but salvation is where it all starts. You can't have any of the other promises until you understand and walk in the first one, which is being saved and giving your life to Jesus. Today, this message of the second promise or what's called the cup of deliverance. I'm prom- I promise you this, Satan does not want you to hear this message today. He hates this message because if Satan can't keep you from the first promise of getting saved, he will do his best to keep you from the second promise. He will do his best to keep you from living out what God has called you and separated you to be and to become And to be used by God. He will trap you in a mindset. The first promise, it was God breaking Pharaoh's control and ownership over these people. Breaking the bonds of slavery. That is Jesus who did that for us through his blood. But the second promise is different. It's not about... What's what's been done? It's not about that we're not set free. No, we've tasted the first promise. We, We have drank from that cup. We are sanctified. We are saved. We are in Christ. But the second one is about God delivering us from our mindset of being a slave. We were delivered from slavery, and we thank God for that. But the second promise is to set you free from the mindset of being a slave. When God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, they began a journey. And you need to know something. This second cup is a journey. But also you need to know something that the Spirit of God can bring revelation to you today. Because, you, see, you, you can't get to the solution until you understand the cause. So today I want to talk about the cause of why we need the second cup of deliverance. The children of Israel came out of Egypt and he was promising them that they could have a land, a promised land That's where where, where we're all headed, to live a life of promise and and to understand Him and to get to know Him more. But just because the children of Israel weren't slaves anymore doesn't mean they didn't think like slaves anymore. That's why they needed deliverance. That's why the promise said, I will make you, nor no longer make you slaves, or I will bring you out as their slaves. So when God said, I will set you free from being slaves, it it feels a little weird. But didn't you do that in the first promise? Because you delivered them from Egypt. No, this is different. Most Christians stay in the first promise. But Jesus wants you this Easter season, this Passover season, for you to taste and drink deeply of the cup of deliverance. This was about the way that the children of Israel and you and I think. It's how we process. Just, just for us, if you think about it for a moment, we can be free spiritually, we can be committed to following Jesus, living for God and yet the things of our past, the things of, of the pain of the past, what, how we lived our lives in the past, whether it's a disappointment or old habits or sinful behaviors, they can be hard to shake. All of our actions, you need to understand something, all of our actions begin with a thought, a way of thinking. Jesus came through his life, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, to set you free from having the mind of a slave. He came to set us free and deliver us, to de- deliver us from our old nature. We had an old nature, and it's called we were a slave to sin. Sin told us what to do. Those without Christ think they're actually doing what they want to do. no, no you are not. You're doing what your master sin tells you to do. You are bound in chains of your sinful master, sinful nature. But Jesus came to give us a new nature and a new mind. Many of us stay just in the salvation piece. Like we're saved, we're on our way to heaven, but we never step over from that place also to the next, to having a mind that stops thinking like a slave and starts thinking like a son and a daughter. See, they're two different mindsets. The mind, to have a mind of God and, and or to ha- have a mind of a child of God means that now you are processing from the place of, of who owns you, God owns me. God is the one who sees me. God's the one who provides for me. This one over here means, is this, yes, I might be saved, but there are some of these other things that I'm used to in my life. God wanted to break this off of the children of Israel so much so that when they, when they left, actually he said, when you leave Egypt, I want you to wash your clothes. In other words, I want you, get the, I want you to get the stank of Egypt off of your clothes, get, like get, get it off. He's changing their minds. Interesting, as you research a little bit, if, if uh, unless you've had COVID, but there, there, are, there are a lot of memories, there's a lot of memories attached to your smell. I don't know if you've ever, I don't, I don't know if you've ever known that. But smell is, is one of the main indicators that bring you back to a memory, bring you back to a place. I can walk into a, 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 a basketball gym and smell it and I can, I can have a memory of being back in high school playing basketball. I can smell biscuits and gravy and I think I love my mama. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) there's, There's this attachment that when you smell something, it takes you back to a mindset. So even right out of the gate, he's like, wash the smell of Egypt off of your clothes because I want your mind to change. I don't want you to remember the way you used to do things. And so God was disconnecting them from what, now hear me today, what they were. Because that's not who they are. Because now, because they, they, they had a wrong view of themselves. Imagine they've been enslaved for 430 years. Huh? You're, you're going to think like a slave. You, you're, you're not going you're, you're to just one day start thinking differently. And so God needed to rewire their minds and Jesus went to the cross and rose again to make a way for you to drink of the cup of deliverance, to be delivered from your old mindset so that then you can walk in the other two promises that we're going to look at over the next couple weeks. But these people, think about them, the children of Israel, they, their mindsets like they, they didn't trust God. They were skeptical about the future. They were skeptical about their spiritual authority, Moses. They complained a lot. I mean, the best, they they were just church folk, is actually what they were, actually. It's who they were, including me. But God had to get rid of the way they thought. And you know, if we were really honest, many people today, we still have messed up thinking, me included, our process. We're on our way to heaven, and we thank God for that, but we are plagued by sinful attitudes, selfish habits, secret lives and addictions. We're just like them. We need the cup of deliverance. We need God through his son Jesus to break off the mindset and the way of thinking when we were slaves. We used to be slaves, but we're sons and daughters now. And it's time that you start thinking that way. It's time that we begin to walk into what it means to be a child of God. How should I think? There's even a proverb that talks about when you were to take a um, a pauper or a poor person and put them in a place of of uh, of influence with money, how it destroys them. Why? Because they're not thinking properly. There's a reason why people who win the lottery and have never had wealth in their lives end up in the same place they were, sometimes even worse, just a few years after they get millions of dollars. Why? Mindset. That's why we have promises in scriptures that once we we come to Christ, that we have access to the mind of Christ. So the cup of deliverance is for us to drink today. I will free you from being slaves. God wants to deliver your mind today from thinking like your old self. God wants to deliver your mind today from thinking like your nature, your old nature sin wants you to think. Now I know this word deliverance kind of has a weird kind of maybe... Imagery in our mind. But deliverance is not just for people with demons. Deliverance in the Bible is for anyone struggling with sinful nature. And, and in other words, let me give you a little secret. It's, it's talking about every one of us. Every one of us have areas that we struggle with our sinful nature. And the cup of de- deliverance is... It's different than the cup of sanctification and, and salvation. This is about the way we think. You see, because you can be saved, you can be set apart by God, which we talked about last week. You can be anointed by God, experience God's provision, experience His care, but you can still think like a slave. Think about this. The things that you cried out to God to deliver you from, like the children of Israel, they cried out to God. God, deliver us! The things that we cried out to God to deliver us from are the things that we return to when things don't work out the way we want them to. It's the things that we return to when life gets stressful. And all of a sudden, that which we ask God to cleanse us and forgive us from are now the things that we're returning to. The things that you repented for in your marriage and begged God to save your marriage and laid on your face and wept before God because of your sin is the very thing that creeps back in over time. That old slave mindset. You see, your your feet may not be in Egypt, but your mind is. And Jesus says to you today in this second promise, in this cup of deliverance, I will deliver you from thinking like slaves to thinking like my sons and daughters. That is what's available to us. Every one of us need this. And these, every one of these promises, they're called the four I wills. Every one is I will, I will, I will, I will. This is not about you working harder. This is not about you, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself more. No, this is about you receiving what Christ has already done for your mind. To be delivered from the way you think. Here's a great thing. It's, it's, it's actually just... Um, A realization of grace for me. So the first promise is about God saying, I will, I will bring you out. I will, I will, I will bring you out from underneath the burdens. In other words, our salvation has nothing to do with us, He he will do it. And we just come into agreement with that, and then we are saved and put our faith in there. The second one is not attached to salvation. Because if it was, then we could say, see, I did all of this. See, I'm thinking right, therefore now I can be saved. No, no, this is about us. We are saved now, and now he wants to change the way we think. So I just have three points here I want us to catch today. The first one from this cup of deliverance and this promise is, number one, Jesus came to deliver you from your old ways of thinking, your old ways of processing. Because how we processed before was from the nature of the world, the nature of sin. That's how we processed. And that's that's who we were. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, Do not be conformed to the pattern or the ways or the process of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice the renewing of your mind is what brings forth the transformation. Be transformed When your mind is being renewed, it brings a transformation in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your workplace. How you see men, how you see women, how you see church, how you see God. The renewing of your mind transforms your life. And as your mind is being renewed, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, when you get saved, God completely cleanses you spiritually. I believe this with all of my heart. Just like, remember, the children of Israel. The night on the 10th plague, that judgment came to Egypt. They were, they, they were told by God to place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their home, right? So judgment came and passed over. So ju- judgment passed over, and they were now free of judgment. So they were, they, were, they were cleansed by the blood of a lamb. Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Christ is the lamb that the Passover is really pointing to, to saying there's coming a greater lamb that's going to put the, put the blood. As, as you apply the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of your life, judgment will pass over. But then you have access to these promises. But when you are saved, when you p- apply the blood, you're cleaned, you're cleansed. But that begins the transformation of our minds, of our bodies, of our souls. In other words, hear me today, we are still in process. Everybody say amen to that. So you're still in process. The same for the Israelites. They had been delivered from slavery, but they were still in process. They were free. God had shown himself powerfully. And God is working on their minds. He had provided for them. When it was cold at night, he provided a fire that just burnt, kept them warm. They roasted hot dogs and marshmallows, Manaburgers right there, it was amazing. At nighttime, it was a cloud that kept them, excuse me, during the daytime, a cloud kept them cool during the sun. And somewhere, Along the way, just think about it. They had seen God deliver them out of Egypt. They had seen God help them cross the Red Sea. They had seen God bring water from a rock. They had seen God p- pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. So that should be enough for them to think, I like this better. God takes care of me here. But their minds were so powerful. Their thinking, their process. Somewhere along the way, stress happened. They were uncertain about the future. They didn't like what the, the food God was giving them or they didn't like how he was doing it. And they wanted to go back to Egypt, to their place of slavery. They wanted to go back to the place that they begged that God would get them out of. You know why? Because they wanted cucumbers and leeks and garlic and fish again. Wait, time out. You, you want to exchange your freedom for food? Why would they think that? Because their minds were still locked up in Egypt. You see, Egypt—they had left Egypt, but Egypt had not left them. What that says to us today, is, as we, as we. Lean into this as Jesus says, Do this in remembrance of me as you drink this cup. That says to us this today that you can be set free from slavery, but you can still be a slave. And a slave mentally will keep us from from possessing everything that God has for us because we are trapped. That's why this season is so important for us to understand God made a way that you don't have to be trapped anymore. God made a way that we can be free. Because, see, listen, God has so much for you. Just like he did for the children of Israel. He had a promised land for them. He, I mean, it was, it, you know, as you keep reading, it's a, man, it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, which means provision and God's favor. And, but they, why didn't God take them straight there? Because he had to change their minds. They wouldn't be ready for everything he had for them. So how do we prepare ourselves to walk in the blessing and supernatural move of God in our lives? We, we ask him to transform our minds. God wants to change the way we think. Many Christians are trapped in mindsets of our past. We're trapped in situations that happened. We're trapped in sin, behavior. We're trapped in the abuse that happened in this season of our life. We're trapped in, or we're we're lashing out in anger and profanity, alcohol use, drugs, pornography, our way of thinking, gluttony, negativity, sexual sin. Whatever it may be, Christians can find themselves trapped and caught and stuck and unable to get out. Jesus says to you today that he's made a way for you to drink from the cup of deliverance so that you can overcome whatever you are facing, whatever has you stuck, and walk in freedom that you really want. Jesus has made that way for you. And, and, and really, every one of us, if we're honest, has some way of slave thinking. Every one of us. Every single one of us. Areas in our lives that we can't overcome. And what are those, what, what are those things? Like, like, why can I overcome it? And why is it that I'm caught in this, like th- that which I cried out to God to forgive me, I find myself going back to it. And then I'm grieving again. And then, God, what am I doing? Why am I, why do I find myself here again? What is it that you've tried over and over? You cried out to God, never again, God, never again, God. The Bible calls that thing that holds you, that keeps leading you back to to that which you ask God to forgive you and cleanse you from, he calls, the Bible calls that a stronghold it's a stronghold. It is holding an area of your mind strongly. It's a stronghold. And a stronghold is a way of thinking that keeps us from living the life God has for us. The children of Israel had some strongholds in their minds. And when we got saved, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this was just me, not you, but when I got saved, I found out my fleshly desires did not disappear. Anyone else? You still were like, hmm, I'm saved. I don't wanna do this that I'm desiring to do. Yes, think about it. We were no longer slaves. We were free. We were saved. We were, you were set free. You cried out to God and he touched you and he gave you peace and he cleansed you and he forgave you and no more guilt, no more shame. But then thoughts, behaviors. Our minds had a routine. They, 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 were, they were connected to, to, to our old life that we had, we had lived and rehearsed. And well, when I get stressed, I usually do this. And when, I, when, when I'm frustrated, I usually do this. And, and, and when, I, when, when my flesh wants this, I, I satisfy it that way. And it's a thought. And it all starts with a thought because nothing you do happens without you first thinking. It's a way of thinking that somehow this will meet my needs that I have. But we all have things in our lives that we go, why, God? Why am I doing that? I'm so sick of this in my life. I thought it was over. I thought it was more mature than this, God. Why is this there? The Apostle Paul said in Romans Seven eighteen, he says, for I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. Paul was saying the willingness is there, but the ability to do it in his own strength, he couldn't do it. And let me tell you something, neither can you. You need the cup of deliverance. Remember the four I wills? You need to submit to what Jesus said. I will give you a new mind. This is what Easter season is all about. Jesus, remember, the night he was was doing Passover, he says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me, what I have made possible for you. This is what we need to understand. Some of you are desperate for this cup today. Some of you return to your old ways that you cried out to God He'd deliver you from. And I believe God's gonna do it today. There's something keeping us bound in a particular area in your mind. A way of thinking it may it's sometimes it's not even about the act it's about the process of of what led us to that act. It could be when I feel lonely i I need to get another boyfriend or another girlfriend when I feel insecure i got I, I I have to go do this or when I feel stressed i need to drink a little more. When I, it, it, what's the process? That is slave thinking. And it's not that we are to be ashamed of it. We're to admit it and say, I've got some stinking thinking. And Jesus, I need you to cleanse my mind. Now, there's some practical things. Just like the children of Israel, their thinking was attached to, a, to an old slave master. Now we know this, we are saved. Jesus purchased us by his own blood from our master sin. But why do we keep returning to what we ask God to deliver us from? Number two, you need to know this. Jesus came to tear down the strongholds in your mind. Jesus came to tear down the strongholds in your mind. And there's still this word because there's there's a lot of, imagination around what this word stronghold means but Paul talks about it in 2nd Corinthians he's he's writing the church and he's he says I beg of you that when I'm present I, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh Now start listening here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So there's something going on here that he's trying to, 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 to defeat. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, thoughts in our mind, you don't fight them with other thoughts. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So wait a minute, strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the stronghold exists because of a way of thinking, thoughts of thinking. That's the stronghold. So if we were to say this is the stronghold, so this exists right here because of how we think and process. And, th- and how this is, is not of God. This is not of God. How, what we think, how we process, how we see, how we, and all this, it's not of God. But this thought process has exalted itself above the truth of God. So in other words, we're thinking a way that actually is not the way that God wants us to think. Or we're thinking like slaves when we need to be thinking like sons and daughters. And it's a stronghold. And what's a stronghold, it means it is holding you back strongly from thinking and being everything that God's called you to be. It's a stronghold. And it has exalted itself. In other words, it's our filter of how we we deal with things in our lives sometimes. And it, is as it has exalted itself, it's called a high thing. In other words, it has placed itself, it, it's the position it is in our minds. So another term, a Greek actually, um, a, another term for this high thing is a Greek word called a partition. So a partition is what we use to divide one space into two spaces. So if you were to take your mind and put a partition down the middle, you have two separate spaces. If we were to put one down the middle of, of, of the, the church here, we'd have two separate spaces. And so the partition, everybody say partition. is exists to keep what's going on over here from making its way to over here. So there's a partition in the room, it would be there, so what's happening over here will not make its way into what's happening over here. It separates. So there's information on one side of our minds or one half, let's say, of the room that cannot make its way to the other half. What you know what that's called? It's called a stronghold. It's a partition. So what Paul is saying is, we keep being seduced back to our old master. We're free from sin, but we're acting like slaves. We're acting. Why? Because there is a tall partition, a high thing. It's a, it's, it's a way of thinking that is, that's, that's based on a lie, and it blocks the truth of God from making its way over into this area to unwind it and to shed light on it so that now it can break the stronghold and you can then start thinking and processing like a son and a daughter versus a slave. So the areas of our minds that say things like this, like for the children of Israel, you know, Egypt is better. Or... For us, that sends okay, or a way of thinking says, "Well, I mean, you know, a man's got needs, and if I can't get it at home, I will. Or, well, I'm a woman, and a woman has certain needs, and I, you know, may I just get a little closer and chat on this, and maybe flirt over here, or you know, I, I deserve a little pleasure." And I was, I'm tired and I just, I just, I, des- I deserve some pleasure. Or I'm not gossiping, I just want to pray for them. Or it's, you know what, I, I, I'll pull back. I'm just not going to get drunk as often. I'm just not going to get as high as often. I, I don't have an anger problem, I just have, I'm just passionate. There's another wrong with looking as long as you don't touch. Or there's even this, I, can't, I, can't, I want to stop, but I can't stop. I might as well just give in. I'm just a slave. Or there's even this other side that I'm, I'm a failure. This other stronghold in our lives that will never allow you to be what God's called you to be. It could be sin. It could also be your own mindset about what God can and cannot do with you. I'll never measure up. I'll never be as good as my sister I'll never be as good as my brother. I'm not smart enough. I've got dyslexia. I have a learning disability. I'm, I've been divorced. I'm too young. I'm too old. I, I, I'm just a slave to what I'm not and to what I used to be. And we see ourselves through the eyes of what we were. We see ourselves through the eyes of, of, of what our process before we came to Christ. And that's what we see ourselves and even now we're in Christ, we're saved, but we're still thinking like a slave. Listen, the enemy wants to make you useless. And this is one of the ways that he does it. If he can't keep you from getting saved, he will, he will, he will put a stronghold in your mind. And keep you limited, keep you back, keep you from succeeding, keep you from following God's purposes and promises. And he makes us useless by lying to us. And he keeps lying to us. And then, you know what happens? Here's the power. Here's the power of the lie. Once you believe the lie, you start acting as though the lie is true. I, I knew an, an individual, a pastor, who actually had this, the enemy lying to him all the time. Everybody in your church doesn't like you. Everybody doesn't like you. Nobody likes you. Everybody here thinks you're an idiot. Nobody receives your words. No one receives your preaching. And it's just going over and over and over and over. And then he believed it. And then he started acting like nobody liked him. Nobody wanted to hear him. Nobody wanted to see him. And guess what? It was a self fulfilling lie that soon nobody actually did want to see him because he was acting that way. Because his attitude had shifted. It's the power of the lie that the the enemy the enemy puts in our minds, high thing lifted up a lie and then we believe it and then it's a stronghold in our lives. And that builds our walls. Paul calls the information of your mind that truth can't penetrate. A stronghold. And what, it, what, is, what is over here, what the, what the thought process in here is arguments. He calls it speculation or rationales that are against the knowledge and the truth of God. This says this, you know what? In order to meet my needs, I need, I need to sleep with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. You know what? What I really need it's just to let my hair down, and throw a few back. It's a lie. What, what 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 I really need? What I really need is to just be able to be angry, because I feel better afterwards. That's what I really need. Or, you know what, God, you don't really care about this area of my life and what I really need is, is, is to, get, to get wealthy and to get money and I'll do whatever it takes to get it because that's really what I need. And I, I'll cheat on my taxes, I'll do whatever. You're like, don't start meddling with taxes during tax season, Jason. Don't you do that. <laughs> but it's a belief system that's actually contrary to the knowledge of God. And whatever it may be for you, and it's impossible to go through, you know, all of them. But it's a stronghold. And so a partition that lifts lifts itself, this high thing. One translation says a lofty thing that sets itself up. In other words, so here, it's very interesting. You have a partition that sets itself up. But then you have a stronghold that's built because the truth can't penetrate the lies. This is the enemy who wants to keep you enslaved. And he builds up partitions. Listen, we live in a world where every day you get told what to believe. Every day, you get told what to believe, how to act, what makes you happy, what makes you sad. What really a real man is, what a real woman is. Every day, you get, you get told what to believe. What a, what, what a good sex life is like in marriage, what a bad one is. Every day, you get some message thrown at you. And what's it, what is that doing? Listen, we, listen, the world is controlled by the enemy. It is building a partition so that you believe a lie. Listen, you can't fix a spiritual problem with flesh. You need the power of the cup of deliverance that Jesus brought to you through the cross and through his resurrection. That's what he offers to you. And this is about you unwinding the lies of the devil. How do you do that? You do that by, actually out of John chapter eight. We don't have the slide. John chapter 8 says, Jesus says, if you abide in my word. Abide is this, it's a part of you. You live in it. It's a part of your life. It's just not this little ad, ad thing on, on the side. It's not a, it is, it is you live your life in all in submission to the word. You read it. You ask God, hey, can you speak to me? Scripture says that you can cleanse your mind by the reading of the word what, what, what does it mean? It means by the reading of the word, you kick down those partitions that keep you believing the lie. And you read it, and you believe it, and you say, Lord, I apply that to my life. And you live it out, and you come to church, and you're part of other believers that speak into your life and say, hey, that, that what, whatever you just said, that's actually not true. I've been around people who say things all the time about themselves that's not just, hey, that's not true. What are you talking about? You're a daughter of God. You're, you're, you're a son of God. That's not, that, no, that, that's actually not true. Because what matters is, what matters is what God thinks, not what you think. So if God thinks one thing, that's truth. If you think something that's contrary, that's a lie. And so it's the truth of God's word. So, so John, John 8 says, if you abide in my word, you live in it, understand it, study it, let it be a part of your life. You will know the truth, now listen to me, and that truth will set you free. But without the word and without truth, where where are you getting your truth? From the world. That's where you're getting your truth. And so we wonder why we have so much stuff going on in our churches, in our families, in our lives. What are we allowing in our homes, into our, in, in, into our families to, to, to tell us what truth is? And then we, we, we return to what we ask God to deliver us from. Then we weep and we cry and, and, these, and, and we call out to God and, and these these. This mindset, these these impulses, this flesh, it's destroying our marriages and our homes and our lives and our souls and our bodies and our minds. It's exactly what Satan came to do. Jesus said Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, hang on a minute. I came that you would have life and have it to the fullest. So you want to take your family back? Start allowing the Word of God to be in your life, not in it, abide in it. Get to know not just, not just the words, but the author of it. And then when you combine the, the words with the author, with the spirit that you will know all truth, you will kick down and break down those partitions and you will unwind the strongholds that you have had in your life, and your family, that you, you think has been a generational thing. No, no, it's a way of thinking and the truth of God can set you free. This is the truth. Simple, and I just want you to see it. The last one is this, the cup of deliverance. Jesus came to be your deliverer. That's why he came. I will free you from being slaves. Friends, it's time. This Easter season, I don't want to think like a slave anymore. I want to drink the cup of deliverance. as you abide in truth you are, you, you are able to experience the truth that has set you free and then later on a few verses later after Jesus said that in John 8 he says so if you abide in truth that truth will set you free but I want you to know something if the sun sets you free you are free indeed you need freedom in your mind you need, you, you need to tear down these partitions. You need the truth of God's word to be a part of your life. Sunday is not enough. You, 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 need, you need to be a part. You need to, if, if you're able, you need to be in a small group. You need to be a part of, of allowing the truth of God to penetrate, to shatter, to break, to unwind strongholds so that you can live out these promises that we see in pass over. I want to remind you of why Jesus came. I want to remind you from his own words what he wants to do in your life. Luke 14, excuse me, Luke four, verse 18. The spirit, this is Jesus, of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. That's you and me. Poor in spirit, that's you and me. We got nothing to offer. Jesus said, I have come, he has sent me, my God has sent me, my Father has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted today that has been shaping the way you think and process to proclaim liberty to the captives Are you you captive with a behavior that you, you keep getting stuck in and you keep returning and no matter how much you plead with God and tell him you never do it, you keep doing it? And you're like, why God? Jesus came to give you the cup of deliverance that will set you free as a captive. And he wants to recover, recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus came to set you free. He came to change your mind so that you can think like a son and a daughter and stop thinking like a slave. There are demonic forces that do not want you to receive this word. To be honest with you, I, I never have experienced more opposition in preparing for a message than I did for this one. The weirdest stuff. But I'm grateful that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have believed Some lies, my friend. It's time. We've acknowledged it, that the truth of God's words, we've called it out. It's a partition. It's a high and lofty thing that can be torn down and destroyed by taking our thoughts captive by filtering them through the word. And we can rebuild the way we think. But you first must tear down the stronghold that holds you. What is that for you today? You know what it is. The Holy Spirit's showing you right now. You know it. What is it? It's time. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask you you see these lives we've believed. And Lord, first, we want to say that we're sorry. Forgive us for looking to something else to meet the needs that only you can really meet. Forgive us for elevating and exalting thoughts that are contrary to the knowledge of you. And so, Lord, today, we submit our lives to you. We submit our minds to you. We give you all that we are. Lord, today we make a commitment to be in the word, to allow it to be a part of our lives, to to be growing together and allowing the spirit of truth to penetrate all things in our lives. Lord, we give you all that we are. God, heal our minds. Lord, in the name of Jesus, set free every demonic force, every strategy of the enemy, every lie, God, that has set itself up in our minds. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you today that you would unwind the strongholds in the process, God, as we read your word, as we study your word as we get to know you more and abide with you and open our lives to you Lord today we give you our minds and we drink deeply from the cup of deliverance that you make possible tear down the partition and unwind and shatter and break the stronghold In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed. If you're here today and you would say, I don't know Jesus and I want to know him today. If you want to give your lives to Jesus today, I want you just to lift your hand right now. Just hold it up before the Lord. Hold it so I can see you as well. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And the Bible says, if you believe this and pray it, that you will be saved. And we're going to all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I give you my life today. Cleanse me. Make me new. Give me a new mind and a new soul. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? If we can, let's all stand to our feet. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I just wanna ask you if you could fill out a card right in front of you and drop it in the bucket when you leave. Also, at the end of service, in just a moment, we have a prayer team that would be honored to agree with you in prayer. No matter what that may be, we'd be honored to do that. But I would like to bless you and your families today. So if you just lift your hands and we're just gonna receive from the Lord. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your blessing over every home every mind, every soul, every body. God, I I pray for protection over each person and each family that's represented here. God, go before them. Open doors that only you can open. Prosper them. Meet their needs. God, move in their life. Do miracles in us and through us. Open our eyes to see the needs of those around us that we could be salt and light into a hurting and broken world. God, pour your spirit out on our home and our families in a way that we have not experienced ever. God, shatter the strategies of the enemy and the strongholds in our own homes in Jesus' name that we could walk in the freedom and we could drink deeply from the cup of deliverance. So go with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.